Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What have I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you could be prepared for your tomorrow. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. What's going on, family? It's your man Gerard Bonner of Bonnerfied Radio, all things Bonnerfied, and this is On Course with Heart Ramsey. Of course, we call these sessions Heart to Heart. It's your opportunity to hear the heart of God by way of the man of God. Of course, we're talking to Pastor Heart Ramsey. Pastor Heart, how are you, man? Good, Gerard. How you doing? I'm great. Listen, if you guys missed our last conversation, you might want to just go back and circle back and watch that. And come back to this because this it's crazy. Part two, part two. The last time we were together, uh, we got into a conversation about leadership, uh, emotional wellness and uh, everything kind of connected to that. And so we're going to kind of really continue that conversation because there's so much more to dig into. I want to start here because I, I kind of feel like it's funny. The pandemic did a lot of things, right? We we certainly were learning on the go as people were kind of driven out of churches. Churches were forced to shut down. They were forced to go virtual and try some other things. And now people are attempting to, you know, reassemble. And obviously we're dealing with a new situation or maybe the uncovering of a situation that's been there all along. Um, from our conversation last time, it really made me think, my God, how much of the issues that we have in church are connected to emotional wellness or the lack thereof? So I wanna start there. How much of what we're seeing in church, and I'll, and I'll ask that because I saw a post the other day that I don't even know who originated it, but it was crazy. It said a lot of people are depressed now because they praised over things they should have gotten therapy for. Listen to me. And I just was like, oh, and as I'm thinking about it, you know, growing up in church, there was always, we always promoted praise God, praise him out of this, praise him out of this and tap three people and run around and spin around and the like. And we just got exercise and maybe a good cry, mm. but not really getting help. So in your estimation, obviously you've seen a whole lot more than I have. How much of what we're seeing in church right now is a result of a lack of emotional wellness? I'll say almost every major issue in church is a lack of emotional wellness. And I'm gonna tell wow. you why. So in church, Gerard, what we're dealing with is um, there are there are two aspects of spiritual transformation. There's deliverance and there's development. Mm, mm. Okay. Now, as the that to to the to the quote that you just made that you just shared, uh, you can shout on uh, uh, a situation that that is an event. In other words, something happened. Uh, it's a one-time thing. Right. Uh, you chose to praise God instead. Um, you, and you're praising God, excuse me, you're praising God not to get better. Right. You're praising God because you see it properly. Right. You put it in perspective. So now I'm giving God glory because I know good, uh, just good going to come out of this. Right. That's different mm -hmm. from an ongoing challenge that is doing uh, steady and consistent damage to you that needs to be worked out. Yes. Okay. 
because here's the thing, deliverance, uh, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes denominations build their names on the fact that they, they're deliverance ministries, and they totally ignore the discipleship factor, which is development. You've got to help people grow as people. Discipleship uh, is the word, the word um, in the Greek is a word that means to make a student out of, or to turn a person into an apprentice or mentee. Yeah. So when we get when we lead people to the Lord and they come in, we put them in a learning process. Jesus said, "Take my yoke upon you and learn of me." Yes. If there's a learning, if there's a learning that has to happen, then there's teaching that has to happen. I'm yeah. not just saying we submit them to teaching ministry. What I'm simply saying is we have to go into their soul and begin to excavate. Mm-hmm. Where have they been? What's their story? Where are they coming from? Because what we tend to do in church is we tend to tell them, this is what the Lord has for you. And we show them where they're going while ignoring where they've been. Right. That's why the Bible says we overcome by the word of our testimony. My right. testimony is not about where I'm going. It's about where I've been. Right. You see what I'm saying? And I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I believe in church. There's there are a couple of things at play. Number one, we, we yes, we shout on top of pain that needs to be discussed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Number, number two is those of us who matriculate to leadership, we come to church and we think validation can cure pain. Thus, the the entire language of our praise services becomes, um, um, um. We get you try to get people to praise God louder, and it's not about giving God. God is not deaf; He's right. not hearing impaired. It's not for Him; it's for us. Right, right. You know, all ain't saying nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how, that the preacher we look at because validation is a part of of what we do, and that speaks to emotional, uh, um, emotional underdevelopment. So I'm gonna share something with you. I remember, um, the, uh, in my formative years as a teacher and that's not very long ago i'm i'm honing my craft as a teacher and i noticed in myself that i become i became very very uh irritated hmm. when i start teaching and people weren't responding within the first three minutes mm-hmm. I, I began i became I, I felt i had to change gears or do something to the message or and and i wasn't patient and so uh I preached a message. I felt like I, I, my delivery, the message was good. The delivery was horrible. And mm-hmm. so I was, I was talking to my wife. I was saying, you know, I didn't do a good job on that at all. And she said, I thought it was great. Um, she said, you seem a little hyped. And, and I went to pray about it. And here's what the Lord said. The Lord said, you're expecting them to respond to something they've never heard before. You're teaching them something new, but you expect them to respond. And here's what the Lord said. The problem is not the response. Mm-hmm. The problem is what you need to be able to teach. Go to work on that. So I realized, I realized I needed the people to give me an immediate response, a feedback, like a, a shot in the arm for me to be able to respond, for me to be able to continue. And so what I started to do, I will give myself 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. At the top of my teaching, I give myself 10 minutes to unpack this, the, the story of what I'm teaching. And then if the people want to respond, I let them. And here's the thing. I've gone entire messages with zero response. Wow. And, and when that happens, you have to harness. Now you say, well, Pastor, was it a bad message? No. It's mm-hmm. just that I spoke to right where they were or they were learning something new. Everyone, mm-hmm. uh, you get a little feedback here and there. but that was. And then I will walk away. Watch this now. And the question was, I'll ask myself, do you feel whole? In your delivery. In other words, did you stick to the perimeters of delivering this message? What are you doing, Pastor? I was working on my own emotional health. Wow. Wow. Okay. 
Wow. I'm, um, I'm going to I'm working my own emotional health. And so um, I think pastors need to do that. Yeah. Leaders need to do that. There has to, and this, and to me, the validation piece is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, and and because what happens in church, especially for singers and people that are super gifted, is that their value now is tied to what they do and not to who they are. Yes. And then yes. we send clear messages to them that we that we will literally throw them away when if someone better comes in, or if the their lack of development in this emotional area creates a problem that will make us look bad now we try to weigh is the is the gift i mean is, is the gift big enough for us to keep them and then we throw them away we get someone else and we, we repeat the same cycle yeah 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 oh so, now let me i'm gonna add this part i'll be done with this part yeah so back to your question mm-hmm. when when we come to church um, or when we not even church, when we walk with the Lord, we have to understand the purpose of the things we do. Right. Thanksgiving comes from a realization. Praise, um, in its various forms, are expressions of thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We praise because. Right. You got it. Right. Worship, on the other hand, is acknowledgement. In the Bible, and and this is interesting. I'm going to do a series on this, but I'm a I'm a leak a part of it here. Yeah. Um, I, if you look at if you study the parts of the human body, mm-hmm. they have they have spiritual function. Yeah, and you know uh, I, I've taught for years that every movement of the hand, uh, in scripture has purpose to it. When we wave a hand in church, we declare that He's Lord of heaven and earth. Right. When, when we um when we lift our hands, it's like the evening sacrifice is a form of silent prayer. When when we clap our hands, it's, it's that ex, uh, the word applaud and the word explode come from the same word, which means to drive on. We tell the Father, go, do what you're doing. We, we right, that's a form of praise. Yeah. Um, when we look at the human body, the knee, like, well, let me, before I get to the knee, the forehead, when you said the Bible says that um, they had a mark on their forehead, people that don't understand biblical imagery don't understand that the forehead is indicative of the whole man. Hmm. Wow. The condition of what's on the forehead declares who you belong to. The the high priest wore a golden medallion that says holiness unto the Lord. And we we, we mistranslate that for years. Here's what it really means in Hebrew. Holiness belonging to the Lord. Wow. Because because the forehead indicates who I belong to, the condition of the whole man. Yeah. Okay. And when you start the shoulders in in scripture uh, speaks of government and burden bearing. Mm -hmm. But the knee is significant because when the Bible talks about the knee, the significance of the knee is that it's the, it's the one joint in the body that God gave us wherewith we can make ourselves small. Oh, wow. 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 So look, now listen to the language. Listen to the language of worship. I bend my knee to the mm-hmm. God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um. Haim, I mean, Mordecai in the book of Esther refused to bend his knee to Haman. Right. Okay. Here's another language of, of, of worship. I bowed my head. Mm-hmm. Mm. Making myself smaller. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the, so the thing about worship as it relates to my, my emotional state is there's a purpose for it. When, it, when, when I was being, when, when the kings and uh, a king or priest or a prophet was being anointed, they would bend the knee or they would bow. 
right. and oil will be poured upon them. I do that. I posture myself for something to happen. The, the, the posture itself does not mean something happened. Right. So I'm going to show you now. Let me bring it full circle. Yeah. So I could come to church and bend my knee to God and say, I'm not well emotionally. But I, but I bow my life to you. I worship you because you're the God that makes me whole. Then leave there. I, I take every word they preach and apply it. Watch this. But I go to a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I allow the therapist to speak into the area. Watch this now. That, that, that the, the missing pieces of what the, I didn't get from the word. It's mm -hmm. critical that I get a therapist who understands um, what I believe, because if your therapist don't believe what you believe, then they'll confuse you. And now hopefully what you believe is not some weird stuff that will preclude a therapist from doing their job. Right, right. The, the, the problems that we having in church right now is uh, people come to church expecting um, to receive in a moment what's supposed to happen over time. Thus, in the, in the New Testament, Gerard, the word for healing is our English word therapy. Mm. Therapeo is the Greek word for healing. Wow. Therapy is healing that happens over for time. time. Oh. <laughs> yep. there, there's so much there. And I'm going to go back to something that you said, which was the piece when you were talking about teaching and how you might be discouraged, you know, having sat on the other end of your teaching, I know that there are times where when I'll hear something, it, it'll it bring about an immediate response. Then there are other times I'm like, I've read that scripture 7 million times. How did he get that from that, right? So it's so there there is a lot of internal processing that happens when we're receiving yep. that might look to the untrained eye like we're uninterested, we haven't received it, but we're processing what we've heard because in many cases it is uh, a real revelation that we've not heard before. So you're right. Uh, there is a lot, um, not just that preachers and teachers, but singers as well, you know, when, when people are leading worship, you know, you can think that you didn't do a great job because people didn't respond the way that you want. But if they're going through a horrible period of life and you just sung an answer for them, you know, their answer immediately isn't to cheer. Right. You know, it's, it's not that. So it's the process. It is the process. And I think, Gerard, you, to, to your point, and this is so good because and I think what we do is we interrupt people's healing by, by demanding they respond when they're not ready to respond. They, they need to internal, the medicine needs to go down. Yes, yes. I, you want me hollering and, and shouting with them. I just took the medicine. Let me get them, let me take the med, let me get the medicine in me. Yes, I, I have told some, some teams that I've worked with before, I said, you know, here's the thing. We get upset because we're looking for people to respond. But if a person is in surgery, they are under anesthesia. And when you're under anesthesia and work is being done, you're not responding because work is being done, right? So if right. work is being done, it's not our job to wake you up from your anesthesia so you can respond to us so we can feel like we've done a good job, right? right. Oh, immaturity. As a matter of fact, yeah. in about five minutes or so, I have a guest that's going to come on and, and, and oh. her picture is going to be up, but she's going to talk with us. Um, um, she's, a, she's a therapist, um, a certified therapist. Uh, I think 
one of the best I've spoken to in terms of just giving the wisdom of, of uh, how to do things in a practical sense. And she knows yeah. her stuff yeah. um, in terms of, um, I've asked her hard questions, preparing a, a, me a message before. And, and, wow. I, and I want the saints to know this. Many times I'll come before them. My discipline is theology. Yes. Um, I'm, the I'm, I'm a, the a theology major. Uh, I'm a Bible student. Mm -hmm. My PhD is in, along that line. But I reach out to other people in their field to find out because, and matter of fact, I understand the Bible better, Gerard, when mm. I talk to people in their respective disciplines and get their take on certain things. Wow. The, pro the problem with a lot of us is that we mess up. We, 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 we come to church and we act like if it doesn't fall out the sky, it's not God. You know, we're talking about culture and this is so one of those things. I feel like in church, we have magnified the idea of the miraculous and the immediate. Oh, that's good. That, you know, such that we have denied the idea of process. Mm. Right. So what ends up happening is we, you know, when we go to pray for somebody, we expect for the healing to immediately happen. Yep. You know, if the and so what is happening is we sensationalized people when, you know, and people have built whole ministries on, you know, did their leg grow and did this happen? Did that happen? But what's the more effective healing? Is it the immediate one or is it the one that happened over time? At the end of the day, it's all healing. Right. Yeah. And most of the healing that's going to happen doesn't happen immediately, you know. And so I think that culture has trained people in church to feel like a failure if you pray for like we've talked about people like hey if you got to go back to the altar for this more than once you didn't believe well no maybe this is a part of the process right. where you know hey i figured this piece out today all right now tomorrow i need to figure this piece out and it, it doesn't happen immediately let me tell you this i've been in ministries where a person is coming to the altar and i was here people up on the platform say oh god here she comes again wow and, and the mentality about it is we we don't i think for the most part we forget that people come for help yes when the yes. man that was blind came to jesus jesus laid his hands on him the bible says jesus asked him what do you see right and he said i see men as trees and jesus said come come get another one he laid his hands on him mm -hmm. again mm -hmm. what do you see now you, you see what i'm saying yeah um, uh, I think, and 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 the, before Jesus prayed for him, he did something that that a lot of people don't preach well about. The Bible says one guy he led him outside the city. Hmm. He took him away from the where he was, and that was a part of his therapy. He moved him away from where he was. Another guy, his therapy involved go wash in the pool. Right. Right. So, Right. You, you know what I'm saying? And we think these were just things that Jesus did for, for drama or for, or, or for or to be demonstrative. No, this was part of the person's um, coming out. This is part of the development, a part of their deliverance. Yeah. Uh, in church, I think, Gerard, the emotional piece, and, and I'm going to tell you something, that, that a lot of time what we call praise is, is people acting out emotionally. Yes. And yes. if every time we come together, you don't feel like we, quote, unquote, had church unless there's an emotional fit going on something is wrong right more of our heart to heart conversation is on the way stay tuned imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it 
Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to you have to trust that God is like a person. He's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Stay connected with Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hart Ramsey. Why, yeah! Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you can hear from the heart of God by way of the man of God, Pastor Hart Ramsey. To receive this daily encouragement, text the word Uplift to the number 334-310-4278. Again, text the word Uplift to the number 334-310-4278. Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Let's go back into today's Heart to Heart conversation featuring Pastor Hart Ramsey. Yeah. Right. And, and so it, it makes me also think that perhaps, and this goes right back to, this is all about emotional wellness, right? This, the idea that people almost demand the immediate and the miraculous says to me that people aren't committed to the discipline. And they aren't committed to the process of discipleship, right? Like for some, it's just easier to say, I spoke the word and they got healed and cured of whatever versus, okay, let's walk through the process of weaning you off of drugs or weaning you off of said addiction or stopping your behavior from this and turning it to that, right? Like we aren't committed to that because I think sometimes we think it takes too much work. Am I, am I wrong on that idea? That's true. Um, and I think, um, and, and, and you know, let's look at the model of ministry that we utilize. Yeah. It's, it's like, okay, I have to pray for 50 people tonight. Mm-hmm. So I don't have so much time with you. Right, right. And after I preach an hour and, and, and I did, did my best blend of edutainment, yes. uh, then I expect you to get it. Right. I'm gone. Oh, I'm gonna pray for you, but I don't have time to just be working with you because and 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 there's something to be said about churches who spend time with people walking through and some people will realize, you know, um, yeah, we can't do this here all at once. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. So so my guest just popped on. Listen, we have with us uh um C Anderson, she's a psychotherapist. Um, Howard Grad, she has a podcast called Down to the White Meat. And listen, um, I, I actually check in with her quite a bit. Uh, when I have something to to, uh, to talk about that's above my pay grade or uh, outside of my discipline, I reach to see because she knows what she's talking about. See you there. I am. Can you hear me? We, we can. can. 
Listen, Ger Gerard Barnett is our, our host, and he's gonna. We we listen. I'm gonna tell you what we're talking about. We talk. We're talking about church folk and um, emotional uh, problems in the church, particularly in leadership. And we don't don't want to relegate it to the church, but what we're dealing with is um, sometimes we are praising or worshiping on top of the of of an emotional pain or an arrested development that has to be addressed maybe with a therapist. Mm, mm, yeah. So, Gerard, uh, what's your question? <laughs> well, first of all, yeah, no, that's fine. See, welcome to our, our conversation. It is a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Uh, I want to ask you this, because obviously you have a lot of, uh, of experience relative to this. Uh, what, what are some of the issues that you have seen relative to emotional wellness and leaders? Because it certainly seems as though leaders in the church sphere and even in the corporate sphere, corporate sphere are not necessarily as emotionally well as they may seem to be spiritually well. So what are kind of some of the issues that you're seeing with that? So as, as Hart mentioned, uh, we talk a lot and I'm very candid about the things that I say and, and what I will share with you is always based in research and in a clinical space. OK, yes. So the first thing I want uh, to, to expound on is we have to remember that anyone in leadership, whether it be corporate or within the church that they are human first yes right okay um what i have seen in my clinical experience is that people in leadership in general whether it be in the church secular corporate private private sector etc um if you are in a position of leadership and high ranking there is likely some narcissistic or personality disorder traits. And let me explain what that means. I am not labeling anyone as a narcissist, but what I am saying is that the traits that we see in individuals that have that particular diagnosis are often found in those who are high up. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is to be a leader in a lot of areas, you cannot be emotional. You have to make decisions that are hard, that are complicated, and that can change people's lives and sometimes for the worse, right? So let me give you an example. Let's say it's Christmas Eve and you are the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and you are in the red, you are operating in the red. And they say, in order for us to keep these doors open, we, we have to let go of 200 people today. You know who can do that and not have a second thought? Someone who has the inability to empathize or to feel for other people. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's actually uh and i use this term term loosely that's actually one of the beneficial uh abilities of a narcissist right they can make these decisions that most people would agonize over lose sleep over and they can do it and keep it pushing right, right. which is needed in business essentially however 
that all of the flip side of that is that you don't have the ability to empathize, which means to put yourself in a position and see a situation from somebody else's uh, vantage point. Um, they usually are uh, self-absorbed in, in anything that they do. They're looking for, okay, what is the payoff or the advantage for me? I'm not doing this because I'm a nice person. What is the what is the advantage or what is the payoff for me? Right. So they don't necessarily have the ability to uh, regulate emotionally. Mm. OK, so I know I just gave you a lot, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, it, it is. It's phenomenal. Um, yeah, go ahead. So here's, here's my question about this. Oh, see. So that that is phenomenal. So if a leader is uh, empathetic, do, do, uh, does that make them could it be a could it be a deficit to them it can certainly be a liability a liability right because leadership or traditional leadership i would say requires you to take uh to take assessment of a situation to look at possible solutions and to say regardless of what the people that follow me think here is the best solution and here's what i'm going to do if you are overly empathetic and concerned about what everybody else is feeling, how this is going to affect 10 different um, rankings of individual that follow or that, that work for you, you will not be able to stand on your own square and do what is necessary for the, for the, uh, the betterment um, of the organization. Mm. But yes, I think empathy, a, a certain level of empathy can be really, really helpful, but it becomes a liability when it interrupts your ability to make decisions. Wow, that's good. So, so how does a leader then find the delicate balance between the two? Because whether it's in church or in the corporate world, there is always mm -hmm. the expectation that the manager or the leader has some degree of empathy there's mm -hmm. that expectation yet you know the leader has to make a decision that at times seems as though there's no empathy there so how does that leader strike that balance between you know figuring out objectively what needs to be done but also having empathy in the situation or is that possible right so I believe it is possible. And that's okay. why there are people who work specifically with businesses and organizations, usually in organizational psychologists who can say, okay, here are the things that are important to this organization. Here, here are what our assessments say as far as productivity, what your, your staff, your employees, your, your following needs from you. And here is the best way for you to provide that with them. Right. So, so I think, First, considering what are the needs of the people that, that look to you for leadership is empathy, right? Because essentially you need people that are going to respect, to honor what you say, to trust what you say, and to feel that they are a part of the vision and the mission of the organization. So I think that, that, it's, that it is possible. Um, what isn't possible is to have a hundred chiefs yeah. yeah right yeah you can't have a hundred cooks in the kitchen right right we might have a, a chef and then we have a sous chef 
and then right. you have the line cooks, right? Right. Yeah. So See, so that hierarchy allows for okay, I know what your needs are. We are communicating. I get what you're saying, and despite what you're saying, here's what I've chosen to do. And then stand and, and if you don't like it, you can keep it pushing. <laughs> He said, but yeah, you stand in your square. So here's my question. What can a leader do um, to improve his or her emotional health in terms of or just emotional balance? To okay. Be, to be the kind of leader that, can, I mean, just off the top of your head, um, give me a couple things that you think a leader, oh. a couple, or three, four. Sure, sure, sure. So, so first, uh, I would say foundationally, if you are not sure in your identity anyone can tell you anything and you will believe it well i'm taking that yeah that's so So, good so if you don't know who you are your judgment will not be sound wow that's good that is good you have got to know without a shadow of a doubt who you are, what your path is, what is what's within your scope, what's out of your lane. Mm. And mm. if you don't know those things, then anybody can come along and tell you anything and you'll believe it. Right. Right. So you're not grounded in who you are. Wow. That's the first thing that I would say. How do you get grounded? How do you find who you are? Think about the things about yourself that you don't don't want to be, that you don't like. Mm -hmm. Those things that nobody else can see, those things that scare you, the things that make you uncomfortable, the things that cause you to to stay awake at night and be honest with yourself. Yeah. Mm. That's good, see. Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) That is... I see a lot of moments it's like we, I'm, I'm looking at my nose going, I need to be, I need to be on the couch right now. <laughs> Check this out. So we had, uh, in part one of this, we talked about, uh, matter of fact, did you have, you have more for us? Cause I, I'm not going to stop you if you do. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just listening. I'm listening. Okay. So in part one of this, Gerard, you know, we talked about, uh, a couple things about about one that we started talking about how leaders are so unapproachable. Yes, because of the emotional or uh, immaturity that their people are forced to go to others for counsel or to share their their true feelings. Right. Um, what advice do we give to leaders who 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 actually heard that heard us talk about that and realized that's me. What can mm-hmm. a leader do to make the adjustment to where where they can? And I, I think let me let me develop that some. So I've I've experienced and I've talked to uh, people who've come to me and say, "Well, I can't talk to my leader about that because they take it so personally." What I discerned was that there was a level of re- a rejection complex that the leader was dealing with. So as it relates to rejection complex and things of that nature, what can a leader do to do the work on themselves? Uh, what would you suggest? Firstly, um, the book, uh, the four agreements, uh, one of those agreements is to not take anything personally. Mm -hmm. I talked about this um, yesterday when somebody 
was offended by a meme that was put um, in a group. And my response was like, don't take things personally. Like, this isn't about you. Um, so I think for those leaders that want to be more approachable, first and foremost, figure out what your triggers are. So what are your pet peeves? Those things that just kind of like send you um, into another stratosphere that aggravates you, that you avoid. What are those things? Is it like complaints? Is it um, conversations around finances? Is it, uh, you know, whatever it is, right? Self-awareness, being aware, being aware is, is first. And then you can kind of explore, okay, why do I avoid these things? Why do I not want anyone to question what I say or what I do, right? And there's a way to question a leader and there's a way to do all of those things. But if you are the leader and you are totally um, objecting to have conversations with those who follow you, then there's something there. Mm. There's something there, right? Could be some narcissism, but there's something there nonetheless. So I would say be okay with being self-aware and writing down the things that are problematic for you. And then have somebody help you process and kind of go through because it sounds like you already know, okay, I don't want to be this kind of leader anymore. So what do I want to be? What are my mm. blind spots? What are the things that I can't see? So there's a concept called Jahari's window that was constructed back in the 50s by two, um, two uh, uh, clinicians. And basically it provides insight into your hidden self, the self that people see, the part of you that you hide, the, I mean, the part of you that you aren't even aware of, right? So you have these four quadrants that you can fill out um, and then you have this picture, essentially, this win window through which to see yourself as this fully dimensional individual. And that also helps you figure out different parts of you. If you can imagine different parts of you sitting in a boardroom, right? Who is the part of you that is the wounded child? Who is the part of you that manages your life? Who is the part of you that carries shame is that part of you sitting under the boardroom table or is she at the head of the table right so there's all these ways that we can use introspection and processing on somebody's couch and somebody's chair to be better and to improve who we are and thus improving the organizations that we serve and are responsible for so I have, a, I have one question, Gerard, before you ask yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This question see, can get you like targeted. So I'm just going to warn you right now. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Um, how important is it, especially, well, we'll, we'll use both. Um, the, the CEO of the company, the, the senior pastor of the church, how important is it for, for the, the head person in charge to have a therapist, to have someone to unpack and to and to deal with these things with how important on us on, in your mind how important is that as important as breathing and eating wow mm. as wow. important as your nutritional health your your physical health because we forget that mentally you know our psyche our ability to be present and function all lies in our psychological emotional and mental wellness mm. you can be as healthy 
as an ox. But if you are experiencing a break in reality, which is what psychosis is, what what help are you to anyone? Right. Wow. So my mantra um, is always your mental health is your health. Mm. It's not something that should go on the back burner or only be recognized when you're in crisis. You want to go as regularly as you go to the barbershop, as regularly as you go to the nail salon, because you want to be able to maintain optimal functioning so that when you get to a crisis, it's not a crisis. It's a hiccup. <laughs> it's an urgency. <laughs> it's yeah. not this, this thing that's, that's going to you know, bring, the, bring the tower down. Yeah. You know what's funny, Gerard, is when I when I um when I sit and talk to C, I think um I always go, what do I know? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> she's brilliant. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, yeah. So, so I want to ask you this, C, because we we've talked about the leader side of it, but let's talk about the other side of it, where you have the employees or the staff members at church or the parishioners who want to talk to their leader. Uh, and let's just say the leader acknowledges, hey, I've got some things I need to work on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. What do we say to that that employee or to that worker who has now has to acknowledge the imperfections in their leader? And I mentioned mm-hmm. that because in a lot of these spaces, Mm-hmm. Um, whether intended or not, leaders are put on a pedestal mm-hmm. to where it appears as though they can do no wrong. And mm-hmm. in some spaces, it looks like they're vulnerable if they say, hey, this is not a strong suit for me. So what do you do uh, and what do we say to the employee, to the parishioner who now has to deal with the acknowledgement of an imperfect leader? I think the beauty in being transparent and you don't have to give details, right? Right. I think the beauty is whether you like it or not in a position, in a position of leadership, you're a, you're a model. Mm. You're a model of you, of, of what is the norm? What is the climate? What is the culture in that organization? And you are also the one that sets the standard Right. So so if you can if you can say that, you know, again, you don't have to tell all your business. Right. (laughs) You don't have to give a lot of detail. Right. But if you can be open in that I am working on X. Right. And tie that back into the mission because we are a place or we are a business that provides X, Y and Z and so that we can do that in the best way. I am focusing on improving this thing, whatever that Mm. thing is, right? Um, One of my mantras is everyday self-improvement. I'm going to be better today than I was yesterday. If that means me working um, or reading for 10 minutes more or studying for five minutes more today or not reacting to some shade or or putting the the piece of chocolate cake away and, and grabbing a piece of fruit, right? Right. Today, self-improvement every day, every day. And so if you can model that in real time for people, that builds a lot of respect. Because mm. well, people can see it anyway. Yeah. Right. You're not hiding it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm processing that because the, you, you, you are, you are right. It's almost like, you know, for the the leader who is trying not to say, "Hey, I'm imperfect," the people could clearly see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the the emperor. The emperor's new is it new clothes? New I clothes, think? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like uh, you you naked. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. The truth of the matter yeah. is that as try as we may to hide these flaws, I mean, because of our humanity, they come out. Yeah. Yes. And, it, and I think it, it, it's, it makes us look worse if we had tried hard to pretend that we are perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. One, of my, one of my favorite songs is, uh, I think her name is Stacey Barth, B-A-R-T-H-E. Mm-hmm. And the the... The lyric that comes to mind is, we are all flawed, beautiful creatures. Mm-hmm. Right? So perfection isn't necessarily beauty or helpful or healthy. That's weird. It is weird. It is. Yeah, it's like, mm, that's it not is. real. Right. right. And I, I need for perfection um, has has made things like auto-tune and filters and different things uh, <laughs> famous because, you know, we, <laughs> let's face it, I mean, we, we want to be perfect, uh, but it, this, it's just not a reality. And what if I said, what if it's not perfection? What if it's that we want to be accepted? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's part of what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Is like, nobody wants to be rejected. That's right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of us still are carrying childhood wounds from rejection. So it's yeah. like working towards perfection. And I can speak on this myself because I was a, a high achiever, which was a what we call a trauma response from childhood. And so every job I applied for, every school I applied for, every scholarship I applied for, I got it, you know, because I did my thing or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but... I noticed when that no longer worked for me, when it was time for me to level up my own capacity um, in healing, I noticed that what I was actually doing was uh, preventing any possible no. So that when I applied or you saw me on paper or you, I walked into that interview that <laughs> there was no reason for you to tell me no, well, none. Right, right. I remember the, the first time I had applied for, um, it was an internship at a, at a statistics uh, company before grad school, and they didn't call me back. How did that go? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was not pretty, right? Like, but that, who I am? <laughs> right. I was like... <laughs> How, hold on, wait a minute now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So so perfection, I think, essentially is a is a cover um and in a defense to prevent rejection. And and now I just kind of see rejection as, oh, I'm not a good fit for this, which is great because I don't want to be a part of anything that I'm not a good fit for and that's not a good fit for me. Right. I always want to be in alignment. So good. Yeah. Well, see, thank you for coming on today. Uh, I, I mean, 
I don't know why I didn't get you on here earlier. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, follow C on social media. Uh, can you give us your handles on social media? Gerard, this is your job. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's <laughs> hey. all good. No, by all means, let, let people know how they can contact you via social media, website, because you have dropped uh, an incredible amount of knowledge, and I know people will want to, to follow up. Sure. Um, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I'm mostly active on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my handle is at C Anderson live C E A N D E R S O N L I V E uh, C Anderson live. And then my website is C Anderson live.com. Is it about your podcast? <laughs> my podcast we're actually on um break right now but we have two seasons and it's two seasons and it is myself and then my co-host Nakia Lowry she's also a licensed professional counselor based out of Atlanta and the podcast is available everywhere podcasts are available and it is down to the white meat that don't that sound painful but I know it, I know it, <laughs> it does doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we help um, black folks get real about our stuff. And it is necessary. I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> C, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a privilege and a pleasure, and we have to have you back. Got to. Oh, anytime, anytime. I enjoyed you both, and thank you so much for having me. Thank wow. you. We appreciate you, C. All right. You guys have a good one. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was amazing. Jeez. You know, I actually, that's history. I think that's the first time we've actually had a guest on. Yes, and she slayed. <laughs> I know, she killed. I'm right? just like, what do you say after that? <laughs> There's, so, nothing. <laughs> There's nothing to say. So make sure you guys, again, are following C at C Anderson Live. Uh, she just dropped so much knowledge on us, and I know she has far more to share. Make sure you're checking out her podcast. Of course, follow Pastor Heart. Share this with your friends and followers. There's so much that we have covered uh, in this episode and in our previous episode that, you know, I think and I hope that it creates conversation in your churches, in your businesses, in your place of uh, work, uh, even at home, you know, in terms of how you relate to each other. Uh, this is such an important conversation because perhaps the missing link in all of what we've been doing in church life has been our emotional wellness. And uh, you, you can't shout it out. You can't pray it out. You got to work it out. Come on, listen to me. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We need to work on that. Holy cow. So again, make sure you're following Pastor Hart at Hart Ramsey and join us next time as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.